Thanks for tuning in to Big Money in the 805. I'm Michael Anderson, and today we're talking about buying a home and cash management. We're going to share three things you must know in buying a home. These are things that have not been taught in school. As always, we like to make the next 30 minutes a very good investment of your time. Today's show is brought to you by GEICO Local Office, car and homeowner's insurance for the 805. You could save up to 15%. Call Greg Mock of GEICO Local Office. 805-487-7847. It's time for Big Money in the 805 with your host, Michael Anderson, bringing you a feature interview, a local nonprofit spotlight, and some financial wisdom. Get local and relevant information for the 805. For show notes and more information, go to maranatha.com. And now here's your host, Michael Anderson. And welcome to the show. It is a special day today. Thank you for tuning in. We do have some events coming up that I wanted to mention before we get rolling, and that is September 8th. The Fairways in Fiesta event is going to be a phenomenal event where they're doing a golf nine hole at 3.30 on September 8th at Olivas Links, and then a dinner and a dance, kind of like music under the stars, but with a lot more energy and excitement. That's at 5.30 at the Olivas Adobe. You can come to one or both of those, $50 for the dinner, or 65 for the golf. If you do both, it's 100 bucks. So you can go to VenturaFoundation.org to learn more. We're going to be talking with Kevin Clarice in a moment, and he's going to give us more details about that event, Fairways and Fiesta, September 8th. And that is put on, of course, by the Ventura Community Partners Foundation. Always a very good event. I'm very excited about that. So Spence, I wanted to talk about more financial stuff. We talked about last week the idea of staying in California. And the previous week, we talked about moving out of California to make it. You know, financially, there are things that we start to think about. We're either on track or we're off track. And it's always interesting how we assess if we're on track or off track. Do you have the right barometer to know if you're on track or off track? Do you even know? Many people, they're not even sure. They just like to, you know, I don't want to open that envelope. I don't want to even know. I just want to keep working or I want to keep living in the ignorance is bliss mentality. And so it's hard to know, number one, and then it's sometimes it's easier to just attempt to not know and defer, 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 defer. But there are four things that I really want to talk about today as we highlight the conversation on this. And the four, I'll mention all four of them and then we can kind of break them down. But one of them is everyone wants to buy a house. So how do you buy a house? What are the three secrets to buying a house? And this is what I learned when I was younger in my 20s and helping me get my first house. And so this is what I'll share today, the buying a house, the three things you must know. We'll talk about the idea of retirement a little bit, and we'll also talk about cash management. That will be fun. And then also investments. So Hmm. those are our topics we're going to dive into a little bit today. Always fun to talk about personal finance. Of course, that's what I do every day for my day job. I'm not a full-time radio host, but uh, but I am a full-time financial planner and I own Marinantha Financial. So that is somewhere where people can always go to talk to me about financial planning or investment management, try and help people in that realm every day. And, and so that's what I'm passionate about. That's what I like to try and do. So hopefully we'll share some pearls of wisdom on the show today on these topics. That's what we're going to be doing. And it's not mundane. The idea of investment can be entertaining if you follow it closely and there's a win and there's a a goal. And I think people who are afraid of it, don't be, you know, get into it, understand it. And I think you'll be entertained and sincerely rewarded 
at the end of the road when I hate to say it that way. <laughs> it sounds so final. Uh, but you know, along when, your journey, you know, actually, at the beginning of the road, when you are retired and finally say, "Now I get to do what I want to do," and if you did it right, you got some cash to go play. That's well said. Yeah. And so let's start with talking about buying a home. And many people don't know what it takes to buy a home, in particular, people that are starting out. So college students, even high school students and into your 20s, I think there's this yearning or this idea of, I don't know how to buy a home. And what do you even need to, to buy a home? You don't know until you know, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And uh, people in their 20s, there's not really a class that teaches people how to, how to buy a home, what you need to do. And in particular, in California, it's pretty difficult to buy a home because it's so expensive. But the three things, and I've been kind of sharing this for a long time, uh, this is what got me into teaching at Ventura College, actually, 12 years ago, as an adjunct faculty member, was teaching real estate finance. That was the first class hmm. that I taught at Ventura College. It's kept me there. I still teach there. I don't teach that class, but I still teach in the business department. But real estate finance, and this is one of the fun lessons we talked about, buying a home. So the three things you must know when you're buying a home. So it's real simple. It's credit, it's income, and it's a down payment. Those are the three things that you need to know about, and those are the three things you need to have. So starting with the first one, credit. If you're buying a home, and I don't sell homes now. I'm not a realtor. I'm not a lender. But this is just important to know, and I think people want to know about it. So first one, credit. Like, where do kids learn about credit? You think, you know, Cole, Cole's in high school now. Has he learned about credit yet? Is he? No. <laughs> okay. Nothing. And, yeah. And, and at some point, I don't know if they're going to teach in high school about credit. And at age 18, when you go to college and you're there and you're on your own, away from the family, or maybe you're here at, you know, one of the local community colleges, who's on campus passing out flyers, giving away T-shirts, saying, hey, here, get this new cool T-shirt and uh, just sign up right here, a little VISA card. And uh, next thing you know, they got a credit card and they're using it in a way that might not be responsible and they're racking up a credit score that is not going to help them buy that home, right? You need to be mindful. And this is difficult. Like students, most of us don't learn this until we make a few mistakes. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's kind of bad. But trying to today talk about credit, so score of 350 up to 850. And of course, the higher score, the better. So there's a lot of things we could say about credit. What I always tell people, uh, if we're just talking briefly, kind of, we're not going to go real deep into it, but there's so much good information online about credit. You can go and find a YouTube. You can go to myfico.com, which is a site that I like. Click on the education tab. There's some really cool videos you can watch in five minutes. You can watch a couple really cool short videos and just learn enough to be aware about what you need to be aware about with your financial credit card, with your credit card information. Because knowledge is power with stuff like this. And knowledge is, is money. Because with a low credit score, number one, you might not be able to buy a home. And number two, if your credit score is low, you're going to pay more for that home each month. And one of the things you can look at uh, for a youngster, go to a bank and put money in the bank and see how much interest they pay you for that money. And then ask them for a loan and see how much interest they charge you for that money. There's a difference. And for a lot of kids, they go, isn't it weird that they give me 1.1, but when I bought my car, I had a 12% loan. And it's the way they make money. And a lot of kids, they look at, oh, I owe $500 on my credit card, but it's at 20%. And the things you just don't realize, and it's funny because you're, you're having so much fun and you're doing stuff and you say, hey, I got money in the bank. 
and you've got this credit card with five grand on it now, and it's at how much percent? And you just get saddled with this stuff. So when you're finally free and clear, you're already saddled maybe with student debt and debt you created on your visa card. So when you turn that 22, 23, you got your degree, uh-oh. You're already behind. You're really behind. And that's so it's a, not just student loans at that point. Now you have yeah. credit card debt, and that's really yeah. high interest. That's worse than student loans. Yeah. And, you know, when you think about it, too, is you want to start out, you know, on the right foot. You want to get on the right foot. And the right foot is just knowing the right way to play the game, know the rules of the game. So credit's a big one. I'd urge everyone that wants to buy a home to look at their credit, maximize the score, educate yourself about what the rules of that game are for the credit card game, and just get that high score. And there are ways you can do it. It. You can go online, myfico.com, and many other websites where you can find good information. That's number one. So buying a home, number one, get a good credit score. Figure that out. Number two is income. With income, you got to have a job. You got to, you know, document your income. For some people that are self-employed and they get to write a lot of things off, and their taxes, you know, are, they're not. You don't have as much income there. It's going to be harder for them to get a loan. But if you have a job with job security and you're getting good income, that is what the lender likes to see. And in particular, a general rule of thumb is you want to take a percentage of what you're making monthly, and then that will give you what you can afford for the house monthly. And a general rule of thumb is is like 33%. So if you look at, say, $10,000 a month as the household income, well, you're looking at about $3,300 as a max payment for your home. So there are some ratios that the lenders are looking at to see if you can what you can qualify for and how much home you can afford. That's just a general number. I mean, I'm not a lender, and there are lender guidelines that change. So you can find a lender, and they will be happy to give you a pre-qualification to see how much home you can actually afford and give you those numbers more specifically. But there are ratios, and that's how it works. They want to see income, and they'll give you a percentage of that income allotted to pay for your house. And that's kind of what will give them the peace of mind to give you that large loan to buy the house. That's how it works. And for the bank, that's great. But then for the person, you always have to remember, let's say your payment's three grand a month. What's your taxes? Okay. And then do you have an HOA? Okay. And you start looking at how much is the home going to cost you and your income. I don't know how much the bank figures into that. There's a number of ratios they like to Mm -hmm. look at. So one of them is just the house. One of them is that they call it P-I-T-I, principal interest taxes insurance. Uh, So that's another ratio. And then they call the other one's the back end debt to income ratio where they're looking at the P-I-T-I, so all of the house stuff, and then also whatever shows up on your credit report. So if you have a car loan, that's going to be on there. If you have credit card debt you're carrying, that's going to be on there. They're going to include all of that into your monthly payment, and then they want to see that back-end debt-to-income ratio. What is that percentage? So you need to be within their numbers to make it work. So uh, income is a big deal. That is the second item of the three key things you must know to buy a home. So first is credit, then we have income, which now brings us to down payment. So common knowledge, and this was a fun thing to talk about in the class, is that common knowledge is that you need to have 20% down to buy a house. It's always been that way. And that's a myth because that's not exactly true. And that has not been true for a long time now. But you do get much more beneficial financing terms if you have 20% as a down payment. The reason why, it's this funny acronym they call PMI. 
your, your private mortgage insurance or PI. You know, it ends up being an additional cost that you're paying to the lender for insurance in case you default on the loan. If you do not have 20% as a down payment, then you have to pay for that special insurance along the way. So if you have 20%, that's great and that's ideal. Most of us don't have 20% when we're buying now uh, as a first-time home buyer. There are programs that will allow you to buy a home with only 3.5% down. So that is a very good you know, deal when, it, when a house costs a lot like they do now to think that you don't need to save 100 grand. You know, it might only be 15 grand and uh, you might be able to make it with, with doing that. So a much better hurdle to be able to buy that home. The other thing with down payment is it doesn't have to be money that you sit and save in your savings account. This can be money that you've saved in a Roth IRA or you can take part of it out of your IRA or potentially, and I know this is controversial, but I do think it works in many cases is you could take some of the money as a loan from your 401k. And, uh, and that, that can work sometimes for folks if they do it the right way and they're diligent about it. So uh, having that down payment though is a big deal and a big hurdle. And that is the third item, the three items we mentioned today, credit, income, down payment. When you're buying a home, those are the three things you must know about and dig in and be aware about. The final thing I'll say about this with buying a home is we all have kind of goals and we want to reach them quickly. And I know with young people, there's angst to want to buy a home here in California or somewhere. They want to buy a home. And what I often share with people as I'm you know, talking with them and doing financial planning, and this is what we're the topic we're on, I say, you know, we want to hit a goal and it's important and nice to want to hit that goal quickly, but everything doesn't work in a one-year cycle. It's okay to try and make it a three, four, or five-year goal. Don't think that we have to do this in 12 months. The quote that I like to say is, many people overestimate what they can accomplish in one year, but they underestimate what they can accomplish in five years. And you can do a lot of good financially if you're diligent over the course of five years and even less, but you don't get yourself upset by trying to do it in one year and missing the mark. So just stay diligent, work your way toward getting that good credit score, getting your income where it needs to be to qualify for those ratios, and then saving, 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 saving for that down payment. That is that is it. That's my, that's my story there. It's Smith. so easy. <laughs> it is if you just uh, know the rules. We had a guy here, and it's very funny, uh, and he was uh, 30-something when he bought his first house. And he, I was over the shoulder, and he was saying, now look, you know, so... I owe $300,000 and I'm paying $2,000 a month. So 2,000 goes in three. I'm going to pay it off this much. And the guy he was talking to looked at him and says, do you know about interest? He never looked at what our realtor called the ugly sheet. Oh. And it's the last page when you look and you say, now this is what you're really going to pay for the house after interest. And they say, we just have to show you this. And the guy said, you never saw that? And he, was, he thought the total cost was the total cost of the house. As dumb as that seems, this is how some people walk through life because education all the way through high school and quite often college doesn't teach you anything about this. Nothing. You know, I don't even know if they have checkbook balancing. You know, we had a general business class when I was a kid and you in high school. And you had to do things like, okay, you're filling out. This is how you do a you know, balance sheet. This just very, very simple stuff, right? Balancing your checkbook. It was in the old days when I was at the market. I would balance as I was writing the check. Right there, I, didn't, I ran an, a 
day-to-day check-to-check balance. And that's, well, that's you what, how people, I did What it. people are doing now, it's different because a lot of people use their debit card or their mm-hmm. credit card, and then they see it online. Yeah. So the the deb, you know, the check writing is just so far removed now. Absolutely. Like if you're standing in line at the grocery store and someone whips out the checkbook, check? you, you bail to the other line because yeah. you're like, this is going to take forever. And I just want to swipe the card real quick and, and go. So, you know, obviously, and again, with credit, there are a lot of tips to just have a better score and to do it the right way. So, you know, obviously, and it's, I say obvious, but it's not obvious because a lot of people don't do it is it's a convenience thing. Run the credit card, pay the thing off. Like there's no reason someone should be running debt on their credit card. There's no reason. The only reason someone does it is because, you know, they got they got a little they got a, a little fast and loose and they spent more than they had for the month or something came up and they used it for an emergency. But that is the wrong tool. That's the wrong you're using the wrong tool for the wrong thing and you get yourself in a bad result. And if you're in a bad spot and you it's kinda happened to you, just you know, you can say, Hey, it's okay, this is where I'm at. You know, I'm not gonna dwell on it. I'm just going to move forward and let's let's get out of this situation. Let's make progress in a good way, not continue moving in a bad way. And that's what a lot of people need to do. And you need to be honest and, and kind of put your stake in the ground and say, now's the time. I'm going to get better with this. And I'm going to do you know, what I need to do to get out of this debt and to buy that house. And it could be five years, could be 10, but let's move forward. Let's not continue moving backward or downward and digging the hole deeper. So. And I've seen websites where you literally input everything, your gas bill, your electric bill, your cable bill, your, and your income and all of that. And then it'll say, this is what you have. I can spend $18 a month wildly. <laughs> but sometimes because think of our parents. My dad didn't have a internet bill. We didn't have a cable bill for ages when I was a kid. We just had the aerial. A lot of the things, multiple phone lines. What, are you kidding me? You know, we didn't have that in my age. And now you have all these other things that bite anywhere from 50, 75, 100, 150, depending on what level of service you have. And it's a lot of burden on your your monthly income. It is. And they add up. And they do. And there's a lot of them. <laughs> Netflix and that's, is that's just $10 a month. Okay. <laughs> But it's all those little things, and and it it does add up. So now we're kind of talking in this realm gets us into what I like to call cash management. Cash management is just the idea of do you project what your cash flow is, what your income coming in is, and what your expenses going out are on a monthly basis. Most of us don't do very good at following what our expenses are on a monthly basis. We don't review it. We just know that by the end of the month, we're really excited for that check to be coming mm-hmm. soon. We've got what we've got, so you know we do what we can do. And that's not always the best way. You should kind of know what you're spending your money on and where it's at currently in the month you're in, but also projecting the next month and where it's going to be going and into the future. That is part of being a good, you know, a good personal finance steward for yourself and for your money. Sometimes it takes that diligence for a little while to get you back on track if you fall fell behind. So cash management. And I see this other times at the office as well. You know, some clients I talk with have a lot of money. They have hundreds of thousands of dollars sitting in a bank checking account or in a bank savings account that's earning 0.02. And it's like, wait a minute. Like you could easily nowadays in cash management have a savings account that's paying one and a half percent. It's just where we're at now. Rates have kind of changed and there are a number of them out there. Not too difficult to do. But if you have a lot of money sitting in one of these accounts earning nothing, you know, you could definitely, 
you start to earn a little bit more. And what's funny about that, and I share that with some clients, I say, hey, this one little thing I just shared with you, that paid double the fee that I'm charging you for the year. So something to think about and definitely something to be aware of is just this idea of cash management. So I'd encourage anyone, if you have questions about your financial situation, your investments and investment management, you can look me up. I'd be happy to talk with you. I'll give you my website and I'll also give you another website of other people that kind of run their operations with financial planning the way I do. So uh, my website is marinantha.com. That's M-A-R-A. N-A-N-T-H-A.com. And the website I like to give people anywhere in the world, you can go to anywhere in America, <laughs> you can go to napfa.org. That's N-A-P-F-A.org. And you, that will get you to the National Association of Personal Financial Advisors. These are guys doing a very good job carrying a fiduciary responsibility to just help their clients in an objective way, fee-only financial planners and investment advisors. <laughs> Now it's time for the Nonprofit Spotlight with your host, Michael Anderson, on Big Money in the 805. Here is this week's Nonprofit Spotlight, brought to you by Era Energy, powered by safety, innovation, and community. We help keep California moving forward. Well, I'm excited to bring to you this week's Nonprofit Spotlight. It is Fairways and Fiesta. This is the Ventura Community Partners Foundation event coming September 8th, Saturday at Alevis Golf Course. It's a nine-hole event and then also a dinner and dance at the Alevis Adobe. It's a very exciting event supporting a very good cause. And today in studio with us, we have Kevin Clarisi. He is the president of the board for Ventura Community Partners Foundation. Kevin, thanks for being here today. Happy to be here. Thanks. So tell us about the Ventura Community Partners Foundation. Let's start there. What is the Ventura Community Partners Foundation? What do they do? And what's the history of this organization? Yeah, thanks, Mike. Um, you know, the Community Partners Foundation, we're a young organization, only been around a couple of years, but we play a really important role. We're an independent nonprofit um, from the city, but our whole mission statement is about building community and enhancing the livability of Ventura um, by developing and maintaining different city parks, recreation, and cultural opportunities. Um, and the way we do this is through partnerships. Um, you know, a lot of people um, want to give back to their community, but the city's not really in a capacity to be able to accept donations or contributions, uh, the foundation steps in and plays that bridge. A perfect example is with Kellogg Park, the beautiful new park on the West End. The city was able to obtain some significant grant funding and the foundation played a critical role uh, to be able to receive those funds and then dedicate them towards you know, the full build out of Kellogg. It is beautiful. It's a wonderful park. They do a lot with other programs as well, like sponsorship to VYBA and people that can't afford. I think when I was younger, I couldn't afford playing. And I played one year of VYBA and I just remember being able to play. I think I, I don't even know for sure, but I think I got a sponsorship to play. And it's things like that, that this organization receives money. And then they take that money and help these, you know, in some cases, lower socioeconomic kids that can't afford to play these sports. Is that part of it as well? You're so right. And frankly, that that's what inspired me to get involved because it's it's sort of a disheartening stat, to be honest, that we have over, you know, a thousand, the city provides over a thousand classes and camps from recreation, enrichment arts. But sadly, many dozens, you know, of our local families, you know, can't afford to participate. And we're talking even the, the $30 fee. Or I've heard where, you know, you've got a family that maybe has two or three children and they can't afford to have all of their children participate. That's not right. And I think from the foundation, we 
we, we created what we're calling the Ventura Plays Initiative because no child should sit on the sidelines. And you mentioned the Fairways and Fiesta, and that, that is um, the reason we're holding this special event. All funds, every penny, um, every penny is going towards youth and recreation scholarships. So these families can be able to send their children to, to all range of events from art camps, sports, music, swim programs, after school programs. That's great. It is important, and it's really good to hear that this is going on. So the Fairways and Fiesta event, for anyone listening, we'd love for you to join us. There are still tickets available. If you want to just do the golf, you can do that. That's at 3.30, September 8th, Saturday. And this is at Olivas Links here in Ventura. They also, if you don't want to do the golf, but you want to come support the event and do the dinner and dance, it's at 5.30 p.m. at the Olivas Adobe. And it's just a wonderful venue. That's a great golf course. I like golf. That's a wonderful golf course in that venue, the Olivas Adobe, is, is a fantastic place that we have in Ventura. Over 150 years, that place has been there, and they've been having events there and parties there, and there's something historic and special about being there for an event. So this is a great opportunity for people to get involved. All of the proceeds benefiting Ventura Youth and uh, Recreation Scholarships here. Tell us about some of the other programs that you guys do. Do you guys have special programs throughout the year uh, other than these scholarships as well uh, that, that you guys are running with schools or, or after school and things like that? Yes, absolutely. I mean, this this event and our our priority this year is to raise money for youth scholarships. But in addition, we're, we're thinking bigger picture. We're looking to raise money for a youth recreational, a mobile vehicle to, to take and offer more recreation classes in different neighborhoods. Instead of having to make kids and families travel across town, we can bring them to them. But there's still, the larger goal is to have the full build out of Ventura Community Park. This is a long promised endeavor that I think our community wants. And the foundation is committed to raising the funds to have that um, full build-out. Um, sadly, in the, the Thomas Fire, um, the Arroyo Verde Park, uh, one of our most popular and well-used parks, the, the play structure there completely burned. I mean, literally melted everything down. Um, that's likely going to be a half a million dollar effort to completely rebuild it. And the foundation is also committed to seeing that project through. We're doing everything we can, frankly, to try and um, touch residents from across town. We're talking with Kevin Clarisi. He's the president of the board for Ventura Community Partners Foundation. They have their event coming up on September 8th, Saturday, Fairways and Fiesta. You can go online to get more information, get a ticket, get involved, show some support. The website is VenturaFoundation.org. That's VenturaFoundation.org to get more information. Before we close, Kevin, anything else you'd like to add about the Community Foundation or the event? You know, I, I think I would just tease it as, you know, we have these amazing music under the stars event. We're we're sort of calling this music under the stars on overdrive because in addition to live music, food, beverages, we're going to have a really cool um, silent auction. We're actually going to um, probably have families and youth that have benefited from these scholarships. And I think it's really neat to celebrate their success and, and to be able to share their stories. And it's just, it's going to be a neat day. And like you said, in a beautiful historic venue, and we'd love to have you. Um, we do have some sponsorship opportunities and that I, you know, me and my family, we're going to support a table. It's only $400 and we get eight seats. Uh, I think that's a great um, price point. Uh, and so anyone listening, uh, you know, please go to VenturaFoundation.org and join us. Thank you. Yeah, that's well said, Kevin. Thank you for being here. We didn't mention the price. It's $50 a ticket yeah. for dinner and also the music. It's a wonderful night and a good event. The golf is 65 or you can do both of them for 100 So more information is available online. Go to VenturaFoundation.org.